This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com, to dive into Vanderbilt's disastrous start to the Clark Lee era as they get rolled by ETSU 23-3. We dive into the negatives, a few positives to take, and where this team is at mentally as they head into the Colorado State game next weekend. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 104 on September 6th, 2021. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Well, do we have a lot to talk about? Man, um, I, I'm still in disbelief. I'm, I'm, in, I'm still in a state of shock like, like we all were. Um, I think a lot of us just didn't quite know what to say uh, during that game. But uh, Vanderbilt loses to ETSU 23-3. to uh, no touchdowns scored. We will break through that game, all the negatives, uh, a few positives to come out of it, but will not the way you want to start a season. Not the way you want to start a season. Not the way you want to start Clark, start Clark Lee's tenure as head football coach of Vanderbilt University. And man, it, it's hard to even come on here and, and consolidate my thoughts and your thoughts. And we were yeah. talking about it before we started recording and it, when we'll get really detailed into this, I don't mm-hmm. want to get into it right here in this intro, <laughs> but it, it's almost, I think the entire stadium, if anybody out there listening was in the stadium for that game, it was the weirdest feeling around the stadium. It was like everyone was sitting there just, okay, when are we going to turn it on? When are we going to mm-hmm. turn it on? We're down seven to three. We're down 10 to three. We're down 13 mm-hmm. to three. And then it's the fourth quarter and you're down 23 to three. And it's just, it's over. Mm-hmm. And it was so bizarre because it felt like it was just a slow death by a thousand cuts. And they just got dominated from the opening kick. And it is what it is. Yeah, My brothers were there and they uh, they would agree with you. And they were uh, sitting in the north end zone and just kind of stunned. And, and Will, first off, the crowd wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. Really <laughs> tailgating scene looked pretty electric and uh you know but th- those are the positives before the game and w- again we will talk about everything in between this game but will there were also a couple commits uh jerry stackhouse snagged malik dia six foot seven um class of 2022 forward uh, we'll touch on that also uh quantavis gumbo groves uh, he's or gumbo gaskins not groves rather he's uh, he's already on the all-name team uh for vanderbilt uh, again <laughs> The fact that they got a commit after they lost to an FCS team is uh, somewhat impressive. So we'll touch on that. And Chris Lee, the end-all, be-all uh, of Vanderbilt Sports from VandySports.com checks in a little bit later. Well, before we get to breaking news, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time to recap ETSU. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, well, it's time to get into it. ETSU rolls past Vandy 23-3. to uh, Again, however you want to put it, Vanderbilt looked horrible. The, 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 the effort that they showed uh, really was, was stunning. It was shocking. Every word uh, you want to put to it. Before we get into some of the negatives, some of the key stats here, Ken Seals, for as bad as he looked, he did have 20 completions, 195 yards. He did throw two pretty big interceptions. The one, of course, at the end there uh, that was returned all the way to the house. But there was a um, there was a taunting call uh, there towards the end that saved uh, yet another touchdown for ETSU. Uh, Ramon Davis, 15 carries, 58 yards. Mike Wright also seven carries, 15 yards when he did go in, which well, we'll touch on that. Will Shepard, receiver, nine catches, 84 yards. Chris Pierce, four catches, 53 yards. Well, on the ETSU side, I think the only thing we need to touch on is the running back, Quay Holmes. And we talked about it with Mike Gallagher. He was as advertised, 23 carries, 149 yards. I think you'll be seeing him on Sundays. And, yes, he did run on Vanderbilt's defense, but that was an impressive showing. And, and well, credit, credit where credit's due. ETSU showed up, and they bullied Vanderbilt all the way from start to finish. Randy Sanders, what a tremendous job. I mean, you know, you got to give them credit. They were ready to play and they took the fight to Vandy. All right. Well, it's but for the negatives and then we've got a lot of them. We have about a list of about 10 things to go through. And before we get to, um, you know, first first thing I think is the quarterback rotation. Uh, Mike Wright coming into the season, you know, we didn't think we would see him as much as we saw him. But I think the fact of the matter is the O-line can't couldn't protect for anyone. They couldn't protect for either of them. And Ken Seals did not play great. That might have been his worst game in his career. Um, so, Will, initially it was it was shocking to see both of them and, and the way we saw them, but there was no rhythm. Neither of them could get into any sort of rhythm. Yeah, you, you kind of gave a good, good little recap there as far as what happened. The defense is not what caused this loss. The defense played well enough to win. They were about what we had the predictions. I think my score prediction was 38 to 14. And what was I, had, I had 14. I had ETSU score 14 yeah. too. Yeah. So we, we both had it. The defense gave up 16 points, which is, mm-hmm. you know, they gave up one touchdown and three field goals. That's good enough to beat an FCS opponent and should beat an FCS mm-hmm. opponent every single time. That's not saying the defense played outstanding. There were certainly areas they could have improved, but from top to bottom, ETSU came in. The coaching staff outcoached our coaching staff. The lines dominated physically our lines, and they won every single competitive battle that was out there on that field. 
And there, there's no way to spin that. You got dominated up and down the field by an FCS opponent. And it's just not how you want to begin the season when you've brought in all this energy, this new mm-hmm. investment. You're begging eyes onto your program and you come out and have a performance like that. It feels a, very reminiscent of the Derek Mason Scary. game in Missouri when Sarah Fuller came in. You had all these eyes on Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt failed to even reach an area of the field where they could attempt a field goal, much less an extra point. So this is a lot what that felt like. I hate comparing to the previous eras, but everything you've seen on Twitter is Temple. And so now we'll actually get into the keys. We said we're going <laughs> to run through the 10 now that I've gotten that off my chest. Number but one. I, I also deleted a tweet and I want to say out here, I deleted a tweet where I cursed at, I didn't curse at Clark Lee, but tagged him in a tweet mm-hmm. that I used a curse word. And I want to come and say on here and apologize to Clark Lee and say that I should not have done that. And I should not have represented the door report in that way. So Billy, apologize to you. Apologize, apologize to everybody. That will not happen again. Apology accepted. Will there mistakes we happen. And, and hey, I was fired yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone was, it was an yeah. emotional, it was emotional night. I mean, I, I, didn't, I, I was kind of the opposite spectrum of you. I didn't know what to say. I didn't it know what almost, to tweet. It was an in-between of anger and just, just an emptiness. Like you have no, there's no, but you're yelling into a void is what it felt yeah. like in that stadium. Yeah. Everyone was just kind of sitting around very casually, but now we'll get to the on the field. There the we go. QB rotation, which I said in our preview podcast when we had Mike Gallagher preview ETSU, mm-hmm. that if they actually rotated and did a QB rotation with Mike Redding, Ken Seals, I was going to come on and rip this coaching shot, coaching staff to shred. That's what they did. And you know what, and you know what they did? They rotated the quarterback <laughs> and the entire offensive game plan was so piss poor. You basically have these guys both running the same offense. Why would you do that? Why would you have Mike Wright, whose strength is running the football, be running the same offensive plays as Ken Seals? Where were these curls to Ben Bresnahan? Where were the easy throws? Everything was outside the hashes, opposite hash mm-hmm. side of the field, out routes to Will Shepard, who had 17 targets and nine receptions. Yeah. Where they were difficult fade passes deep down the field that are very, very difficult to execute. And this was not a team that you needed to do any of that against. If you just ran the ball physically against that team and ran a bunch of quick slants, quick curls, this team's athleticism was so much better than ETSU's. Even though they got dominated, it was obvious who the better athletes were on that field. They looked bigger, they were faster, and they just came out and tried to do too much, in my opinion. I, I I don't think they were focused on winning this game. I think they were focused on preparing for the rest of the season. And regardless of what this coaching staff says afterwards, what players say afterwards, they were looking past this ETSU team. And I think that was pretty obvious from the opening snap. Yeah, and well, I think the question becomes with the quarterbacks, there was a lot of talk about the way Mike Wright played and the way he ran the ball. I was impressed. I was impressed his his scramble ability. And, and, you know, now it was, you know, he was kind of, I don't want to say out of control, but he was kind of running for his life out there. But that's what he does. You know, I mean, he went in there and and it seemed as if the same plays were called for him as they were for Ken Seals. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was throwing long out routes to Cam Johnson. And yes, his arm was hurt there after getting uh, destroyed. But, Will, I, could, I think the question becomes, could he be the better option with the way this offensive line is playing? And as I said, he looked better scrambling, but at the same time, that increases his risk of getting injured. So could he be the better option in this offense? No. And it is, I I love Mike Wright. I love the energy he brings. I love the athleticism he provides and what he could do in specific packages in a red zone offense that really, really struggled 
and struggled severely last year with turnover issues. I think if you're inside the 10, in my opinion, Ken Seal should never be on the field. And Mike Wright should be the guy inside the 10, 15, 20 that he exclusively, he comes in, he's like, Packages. I Yes, Texas had a guy that they would bring in. He was a bigger body quarterback. Yeah. Swoops, I want to say was his name. Tyrone Swoops. Um, yep. yep. And he would come in specifically. Their other quarterback knew if they got inside the 15 or the 10, he was not He's going to be on the field. Yeah. And that is what I wanted to see with Mike Wright. Ken Seals, in my opinion, is the quarterback. He looked nervous. It was his first time playing in front of fans ever in his college career. At Vanderbilt. And he, uh, yes. It, 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 yeah, at Vanderbilt in his college yeah. career. Yeah, <laughs> And he looked nervous and that doesn't help when he seems to be out of rhythm early in the game. And then after his first two or three drives, you immediately yank him and he sits out for two or three drives. Right. Well, that's certainly not going to help the rhythm of an offense that is obviously struggling against an inferior opponent. And so then you're going to put even more pressure on these quarterbacks because they know they've only got two or three possessions to make a good impression as opposed to an entire game even though Ken Seals did play a majority of that fourth quarter at yeah. that point, the damage was done. You were yeah. down 13 to three going into that quarter. Yeah. Knowing the, knowing the sport of football and watching it the way we have long enough, you know, that, you know, for a quarterback's mindset, yanking him after, you know, a couple possessions is never good for the guy's mental makeup. And it's like you yanking know, a shooter. If you have a shooter in basketball and you yank him after he misses a couple shots every right. time, or you rotate yeah. him in, you've got to let these guys get in the rhythm yeah. of the game. And that is what initially got me so angry mm-hmm. and probably why I was so fired up during that game, because it was <laughs> well, the one thing, Billy, the one thing I had talked about relentlessly the entire off season that I didn't want to see and anything else I would have been okay with. And, and the one thing that tipped is you off. what they did and they scored three points, which is not shocking because two quarterback systems don't work. <laughs> I, I, when have you ever seen it work ever? Coach yeah, it's, David Wright ever Coach Joey Lynch. It's never worked. Unless it's specific packages. I don't know why. It's not just a Vanderbilt. You see it all across college football. There's a reason they don't do that in the NFL. Because it doesn't work. Man, and, they, it's... and these college head coaches are beating their heads into the wall. Pick a guy, ride with him. If he doesn't perform well after a couple games, reevaluate the competition. And mm-hmm. that is what should have been done. And from the beginning, the game plan was broken because he was utilizing two quarterbacks. Period. Amen. Period. I mean, that's it. Well, it, it, I wonder what it is about Mike Wright that Coach Lee, you know, re- really likes. Obviously, he likes his running ability, but, you know, for a two quarterback system to to have success, it works in packages. Well, you can and, see what and, he likes, Billy. It's why we like him. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's, we, he's, 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 he's an athletic guy. guy. He's an athletic guy. And, and you know, but he's not going in there the same reason Ken Seals is. And that's what the team has to figure out. And, Will, if uh, if we're talking about this one problem, we're gonna, this is going to be a 40-minute episode. <laughs> uh, but, yes, that's the quarterback rotation. That initially is the number one thing we were looking at and saying this has to be fixed. Will, we talked about running the ball. Offensively, the, the, the outside zone was working. Now, Ramon Davis had some success at Temple with that same exact play, and he showed the same flashes against ETSU. Now, looking at his stats, he had 15 carries, which is an average amount for a running back. But we didn't, a lot of those, half of those carries weren't the same outside zone play that we had been seeing from him that worked. And, you know, for him, it, for me, at least for me, it felt like the game plan was, was, you know, was 
like you just touched on, overcomplicated. And, you know, play action also wasn't working. It wasn't the solution because our O-line was was getting blown up every play. So, Will, for the run offense to succeed, I think you have to see more of that outside zone. But also, we didn't see a whole lot of man in motion and pre-snap uh, motion that we expected. Uh, you know, I mean, with Ramon Davis, he's going to get beat up. But when he's in there, I would love to see more of that outside run concept. There just weren't a lot of things this offense did that. Yeah. And I, I for me, Will, the, the way the offense played, it's you look at Ken Seals. Yes, he, he's struggling. So what do you do? You're not going to, you know, the way they pounded their head into the pass game with those quick short routes. You look at Ramon Davis. I mean, he had been working that first half. So. You know, the way he ran the ball, obviously 15 carries, 58 yards, not the most, you know, exciting performance to write home about. But the way he ran the ball, especially at the beginning, you would have liked to see more of that in the second half. Okay, now that the train has passed and I'm unmuted, <laughs> Billy, thank you for covering right there. I got you. Have to edit. That, that was Always. right there. Um, it, it felt like from the beginning of the game, and we talked about it already with the QB rotation and overcomplication, that everything they were doing just wasn't getting their superior athletes into space. And this playing against an inferior opponent, it's not something that Vanderbilt does very often. And they had that opportunity this week. All you needed to do was get Cam Johnson, Amir Abdurrahman, Ben Bresnahan, uh, Chris Will Pierce, Shepherd. Will Shepard. Uh, you needed to get uh, Patrick Smith. You needed to get those guys in space and get them in situations where they're in one-on-one situations with guys on the outside and they either make the play or they don't. And they didn't do that hardly one time. They ran one bubble screen that worked mediocrely well at the beginning of the game. Second time they ran it, Ken Seals almost threw an interception on it. And then they almost never ran anything like that ever again. Um, they ran outside the hash marks, deep out routes, deep fades and one-on-one coverage, which were completely unnecessary. Everything was toward the sideline. And you have a quarter, young quarterback in Ken Seals that already struggles with turnovers. And everything they were making him do were deep NFL-type throws that require incredible chemistry and timing with your mm-hmm. receiver that maybe they just haven't developed yet in this offense. And he's a sophomore. These guys that he has a receiver are veterans, but you have an entirely new system. And to expect him to do that in a two-QB rotation system when you're not leaning heavily on that run game, which they started out early doing, if this team would have just ran the ball, like you said, in those zone outside reads, mm-hmm. zone outside runs, this team could have ran for 300 yards. They were running minimum four to five yards every single time they ran that play early in the game. And if they would have continued to do that on first and second down repeatedly, this team would have on ETSU's side would have worn down because they don't have the depth on that defensive line. But mm-hmm. that is not what they did. They would, they would have success running the football, and then they would pick up a couple of first downs. And then on first down the next time, for some reason, they would run a deep fade route to Chris Pierce, incomplete. Well, then that takes away the option to run the football on second down. Or if you do, you're setting yourself up for a guaranteed third and five or third and four. So the entire game plan from the beginning was just trying to do too much. You have the best five or six athletes on the field at all times during that game. Yeah. And and Ramon Davis, there's nobody that one-on-one I trust to make that tackle over 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. And that goes for Chris Pierce, Amir Abdurrahman, Will Shepard, Cam Johnson, any of those guys. Ramon, he, he was shedding tackles. If you put them one-on-one on the outside in a situation, they're going to win that matchup more than half the time. And if you win that matchup one-on-one more than half the time, you win the game. And when you look at the stats, Vanderbilt didn't get dominated statistically. If you look at the stats, this game, they should have won. And they definitely, if even if you look at the stats and the box score, 
they definitely shouldn't have lost by 20. Yeah. And yeah. it was just a lot of mental errors and just a young coaching staff not making tweaks to the game plan at the right times and at the right moments in the game. I, I would have loved to seen Will Ken Seals the entire game from snap one all the way through just to see what that offense could have done and how different they would have looked. Because you throw Mike Wright in there, you know, what's that, what, what does that show to Ken Seals mentally? You know, it can't be good for the, for the, for, for him. And we've touched on that, but getting a little bit deeper into our number three is Ken Seals. And, you know, we touched on a little bit, but I agree with you. He looked nervous. He, he looked like, you know, he looked like he was pressing at times and the throws that he made, there was a deep one to Will Shepard and Will was not open, but he did everything he could to lead him towards the middle. And, you know, it just didn't work out. And, and I think ETSU secondary was ready for what Vanderbilt was going to present, but, for Kent Seals to look the way he did, my thing, I'm still trying to figure out if it's more of an indictment on the on the O-line and the lack of protection or him just being more flustered. Uh, that's where I'm at. I mean, I, it has to be a combination of both, but you, you got you have to look at the fact of the matter, and Kent Seals did not play well enough. Kent Seals did not play well. Um, it, his turnover issues reared their ugly heads, but I don't place it on him because we, we came on here and I'm – said I was expecting to see Ken Seals have the best performance of his career. That obviously oh, did not happen, yep. not even close. Um, but the the game plan just didn't fit. And it, it, everything, and we're going to keep going, we're going to get off of the same talking points eventually. Yeah. But it, it, they were asking him to just do too much right now. There was no ease into the offense. And mm-hmm. he's, he's a sophomore. We've talked about him for so long, that, and it feels like he's been – Vanderbilt's quarterback for five years at this point, but he's not <laughs> Kyle Shermer. He's not a he's not a senior quarterback. Right. And and coming in, even if it is a home game, it's in front of a crowd. And that I don't think people are taking that into account enough that this is the a, first time this guy's ever played. In, crowd. He's ever he's ever played in front of a home crowd. And mm-hmm. and that's that's a lot of stuff that goes on during that home game day that was the first time that they've ever yeah. done any of that, like the Star Walk for example. And there were just a lot of distractions and a lot of things off of the field that I think the staff and players had focus on. And if you don't think the quarterback, including Ken Seals, got caught up in a lot of that, then then you're just fooling yourself. And And I think their their mind just was not focused on mm -hmm. specifically ETSU. Not saying it was on off of football, but it just wasn't on ETSU. Yeah. And knowing Ken Seals, the guy he is, the type of personality he is, you know, we, I've, I've, and speaking with other people, I've compared him to an Andrew Luck type of guy, a guy that's just a football guy. And he's, he's a foot, he's a gym rat. And so I'm, I'm confident that he's going to come out and look a whole lot better. I mean, you can't look much worse uh, than what he showed against ETSU. Uh, but well, for, for Ken Seals, it, 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 I completely agree. It, it looked like he was, he was, you know, flustered a little bit because of, you know, all the energy and all the buildup. Um, but knowing him, the type of guy he is, I, I expect a lot better. Well, moving on to the staff, coaching staff, and coming into this season, we we talked a lot about how much we love this staff. We, you know, we love Coach Lee. We love the new the new look offense with David Rye and Joey Lynch at the helm, and we love what Jesse Minner's bringing defensively. We love that he retained Javon Hay, Norval McKenzie at the running back uh, room as well, and you know, you even have Barton Simmons and Earl Bennett. I mean, this staff is overwhelmed with with guys that know what it takes. And, and they're Vanderbilt people. So for me, I, I was I was quite surprised at, you know, that their lack of putting players in positions to succeed. And, you know, we talk about that a lot. I think it's overused. But, you know, I just expected better from a whole. And it starts with the coaching staff. You know, you can't ignore what this coaching staff had this team ready for. 
Plain and simple, yeah. they didn't have the team ready. And you yeah. can you can sugarcoat it as much as you want, but it's on the coaching staff because they are the men leading this group of men who are the players. And it's team one. Yes, it's the first game, but you cannot overlook what this staff, um, you know, had as a lack of of readiness. I mean, I, I, you got to put you have to put it on the staff. I mean, there's not really the blame goes around to everyone, but it always. I, and I'm, I'm not saying staff. I'm not it saying all, all the, the blame. Staff. I'm not saying you're putting it, it all on Coach Lee, but yes, the players have to execute. In, in but college and, specifically, for whatever reason, and and it's not always the case in college. The coaching staff takes a brunt of the fault for losses more yes. than in the NFL. Yeah, but they also get a lot more of the credit than they do in the NFL. Yeah, um, for, for and that's because you're dealing with 18 to 23 year olds outside it, of the linebacker that ETSU had that's in his eighth year of college football oh, on the man. Temple roster, giving us that's, glimpses of that. That's why this all happened. I, and I mean, he that that energy, that can't happen again because that's the no. last guy possible that Vandy can play from that 20. I think I think he told Coach Sanders, I have to be on the field. I, yeah, like, I, I, I have absolutely. Like, I have a secret to, weapen. <laughs> like, I, I was on this field in 2014 when we took down Vandy and put me out there. Uh, he had, uh, it was but yeah, get, getting off that. <laughs> getting off that. <laughs> it was food and this staff, people forget, people forget with this staff because Vanderbilt hired a lot of guys that normally Vanderbilt, in my opinion, would not get because of Coach yes. Lee and Barton Simmons and his relationship with those two guys' relationship yeah. that they have. I think they got a lot of staff members that are the young, hot, up-and-coming coordinators. Yeah. But the entire staff is first-time, young, hot, yeah. up-and-coming coordinators. People forget this whole staff is so young, very so inexperienced. You talk about that on the field with having young guys on the field, but this stuff, this was their first taste of a coaching game day. I'm mm-hmm. sure that room was very disorganized. The communication struggled because you can try to simulate that in scrimmages, but it's just not the same. It doesn't take yeah. into account you talk about, facing you talk, a team that has different colors in yeah. their uniform. Yeah, we talk about chemistry with players. Chemistry and co- with coaches yep. is is even more important. I mean, David Rye and Joey Lynch, you know, we talked about their collaboration. That offense looked, you know, quite unorganized disjointed. and, you know, very disjointed. And, and you know, defensively, I, you didn't see near as many looks. We heard all, all the all the practice talk about Jesse Minner showing all these looks. You know, I don't think we saw as many aggressive blitzes and packages that we expected to see. Um, so, yes, well, you know, the staff is yawning and inexperienced, you know, it, I, that's something that I overlooked personally. You know, I had kind of thought, yes, they're no, they're new. They're, they're new. They're, they're the new look offensive coaches and especially defensively as well. Um, but that's definitely uh, something they can improve on. Well, timeout usage is a small thing. I, I, somebody mentioned that um, I, I was watching Bruno and Chris. Uh, I think Jacob Scholl actually tweeted at him. Uh, he said, was there a timeout called? And uh, it's just kind of something that, that there, there was not, uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, but again, that's not, that's neither here nor there. But penalties. This, this could have been number one for me. Um, I know there's so many that, that it's hard to kind of rank them. It's kind of sad that we're ranking the negative aspects, but the penalties just absolutely killed every big play. A big play, there's a penalty. A third down conversion penalty is coming back. Uh, even the touchdown to Chris Pierce, ineligible receiver, it was Tyler Steen, O-lineman, down the field. That was the and one. That was the one that, you know, I had went to the bathroom and I was still listening on the audio and I hear touchdown bandy, cut it to 13-10. And that's as excited as I had been all game. 
But then you kind of hear that that moan of the crowd and the groans of the crowd and you know a penalty's coming. And I think after that, Coach Lee, they cut to him and he that was the first time all game he had really looked pissed. And I think he was just like in a state of shock, but also like what's going on? You know, it's almost like it felt like a, a, a sick joke. Like, you know, a, a penalty is called every time. It was every single time they had a momentum building play from Vanderbilt or yep. had any type of momentum that they could have possibly strung together. And it just that penalty specifically that you're talking about, the illegal. Oh, that penalty, was a shot. To that the heart. was the one. That was the one. The energy in the stadium after they scored that touchdown. There were still a lot of people in the stands. The crowd yep. erupted. The sideline erupted. It felt like, OK, boom. We're back on track. All right, we're now we're gonna. Now we're, we're we were started out slow, like happens often. But we just scored. We're about to roll over these guys the rest of this game. Yeah, and that penalty. And then there were a few other holding calls that called back some. Yeah, uh, runs from Ramon third down Davis. conversions. Yeah, yep, would have made those stats look a little bit better. And they were very. That is when I got absolutely livid. Outside of the first time they brought Mike Wright in, was there was a specific holding call. And I don't yeah. remember the specifics of it, but it I know what you're talking run. about. He, he ran, it was a big play in the game and they were backed up in their own end of the field and it was third down. It converted. Yeah. And they showed the replay and there was no holding on the, on that. But I mean, no. I'm, I'm, I'm about as no. bad. There were, there were some calls that were Vanderbilt. There was also, like, there was also a, field. yeah, there were there calls was a, that in Tennessee's, the Tennessee volunteer stadium, those referees are not calling against Tennessee. Yeah against an FCS opponent. And for whatever reason, it just felt like the referees were specifically kind of giving the benefit of the doubt to ETSU. Yeah. Now, that's not why Vanderbilt lost. I'm not saying that by any yeah. stretch of the imagination, but it certainly didn't help. And if you go back and watch that replay of some of those holding calls, man, they're questionable. There was also another PI call on Gabe Judy Lolly oh, that, that was, was a horrible awful. call. Horrible. I mean, that that's that kind of brought us back to the classic Vanderbilt PI call that just flat out wasn't PI. You know, and I, I'm I'm setting that straight. So, well, it, it felt like. Have you ever seen? You've seen Remember the Titans, right? Oh yeah. It felt like I forget what game it is during their season, but hmm. the refs had rigged their team. The, the other coach had paid off um, the referees. I'm not saying that's what happened at all, but that's what it felt like. Like it, it literally felt like a joke. Like it felt like. Vanderbilt was be the coaches I were do, being. I do legitimately think, Billy, that if you're in a crowd and you're a referee and you're in that Vanderbilt stadium, that the crowd was better than we expected, but it was still yeah. best case half full. I mean, yeah. best. Maybe, case. yeah. Probably more about 40%. I think their reported attendance was like 22,000. There were not 22,000 yeah. people in there. It was more like 15. Yeah. But if you're, you have a natural tendency to look at two teams and say, this is an FCS opponent and this is an SEC school. And subconsciously, you're going to kind of give the benefit to the team that's a little less talented yeah. just because of the athleticism difference. And I think that that doesn't happen as much when you're playing in front of a very raucous crowd like you see at every single other SEC stadium. Yeah. By the way, Vanderbilt fans, thank you for coming out if you were able to make it out. But And it was better than I thought it was going to be. It was, oh, still, yeah. pitiful. It was still pitiful. And that is... That is what it is. We haven't even addressed yeah. the game day environment, yeah. Billy, but it was the tailgating was okay and how they yeah. have the new setup was okay. 
but the environment in the stadium and the energy on the sidelines, which I think is on this list, yeah, uh, we'll be getting to in a second. But yeah. the energy on the sidelines was very disappointing. For the yeah, and will I'll say the crowd? It was what you expect for a home opener against ETSU after you lost after you lost nine straight games the, the prior yeah. season. But it was I'll still say it was a little bit better than I expected, and that's not saying much. But well, our you know, expectations it, are low. That just because you exceeded, right. exceeded our expectations, it was still bad. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying I expected a, a packed house, but you know, you, you know what I'm saying. But yes. um, yeah, so the penalties just absolutely murdered them. Um, and moving on, we do have Cam Johnson. I mean, he, you know, he was a non-factor. It's screens yeah, non-existent. Screens didn't work all night. Receivers didn't block as well as I expected to. Although Chris Pierce did lay quite the block on uh, an ETSU DB. Uh, but Ken Seals airmailed it, it into the sideline. So that's kind of how the night went. Um, well, let's go to defense for a little bit, though. Al, uh, Anthony Orgy and Ethan Barr uh, definitely looked, you know, like we had thought. The guy, they've definitely improved with speed. And But there are other times where, you know, the anchors were out of position and having only two linebackers might have hindered them because there were some runs where Anthony Orgy was a step behind, missed the tackle on Quay Holmes, and secondary had to clean up the mess. So uh, anchor position, like I said, out of place sometimes, but that's what that's something that as a new position and the new staff, you, you expect to see some of those kinks, but man, that it, the, the, the tackling was slightly better. I'm not going to say it, it vastly improved, um, but there were some signs of, okay, you know, that they're in the right spots and the defense looked better than the offense. I mean, that, the, that's the a fact defense. of matter. The final score doesn't look great. You gave up 23 points, but they didn't really give up 23 points. The defense yeah. played pretty well. They didn't get pressured. The defensive line didn't play as well as we thought they were going to. No. They gave up a lot of running yards to Quay Holmes, but ETSU also ran the ball a lot, and they didn't give yeah. up hardly any passing yards. Jalen Mahoney specifically, I was very impressed with. I thought the secondary played really, really well. I know this is not a very talented ETSU passing attack, not known for that. Yeah. But I was really impressed with how the defense played in the secondary specifically because me and you talked about how much we hated the cushion that Derek Mason and how they they the, they, they played the aggressive. Defensive backs, the defensive backs don't close weren't closing space under Derek Mason. Well, they sure closed space against ETSU. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I saw Granted, they gave up 149 rushing yards. So take everything I'm saying with they gave up 149 rushing yards. I'm not sure that I saw a missed tackle in the open field. And I could be wrong. Yeah, not wrong. there weren't many. The, I'll say that. I thought the tackling was very, very improved. Yeah. Um, and I, the defense, the only thing with this 4-2-5 is Owusu ain't at, at, at that position. I mean, he's got to recruit in his guys. Yeah. Because that's tough to find not, an anchor year one. Yeah. I mean, it just is. It's hard to find a guy that has that specific skill set, and I don't think Owusu or Dariki Wright are necessarily built for that. Yeah. And those guys have to be your stud. They have to be making 10 tackles a game, and he had four from Owusu. Yeah. And because your star in anchor positions, and Elijah McAllister had three, and because they're not making those plays, it's requiring Ethan Barr and Alston Orgy to make a lot of Anthony, plays. yeah. What was it? Was it Anthony? Yeah, it was, was Anthony Orgy. Yeah. Okay. Well, they've got yeah, the, the stats. That's who I thought it was, but then I looked at the ESPN box. Score yeah, Alston. Alston was not on the field at yeah, all. Yeah. Yahoo and ESPN have it as Alston, so they better Damn. get that correct. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was Anthony. But yeah. it makes those linebackers at the Mike and Will position make a lot of plays. Yeah. 
and you saw them not being able to plug the holes because your anchor and star positions and your defensive line was getting dominated and you have four down defensive linemen those guys should not be getting pushed back by an fcs offensive line Damian yeah. davis elijah McAllister. Every single person that was on that defensive line needs to take a look in the mirror because it only gets harder from here. And yeah. they got dominated physically. And it is what it is. I'm not saying anything negative towards them as people or anything like that, but they need to decide if they want to play football. Because yeah. they, I, those guys physically are better football players than ETSU has. Yeah. And they got their ass whipped the entire game. And it is it is what it is. And, and Will, I go back to the anchor position. Coach Lee at Notre Dame had Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, who's a second-round draft pick, I think. A little bit different. And then that's kind of goes back to what we talked about with Derek Mason. I mean, he's not working with Stanford's defense. Clark Lee is not working with Notre Dame's defense. He's working with what he has at, at Vanderbilt right now. Um, well, that pretty much does it. Uh, again, the, our, last, our last push here was mostly on the defense. Uh, again, we'll preview Colorado State uh, coming up a little bit later, but um, – Positivity, I touch on those, Chris Lee, before we get to these recruits. Positivity, I think the tempo early was, was good, you know, and, and the tempo looks that didn't necessarily sustain that. Uh, defensively, tackling, tackling definitely was a positive. But how about Joseph Bullivus? Absolutely nailing that 53-yarder, and, and he was pumped after it. He showed a flex uh, towards towards the crowd, and that was the third offensive possession of the game, and that was like, all right, we need to hit this. Like, we need to nail this. And I think it brought a little bit of, of confidence onto the team, but, um, you know, I, I, we have a kicker. That's what the we have. Positives, the positives, Billy. Special teams was outstanding. And, and Harrison, Harrison Smith. Smith was awesome. That was, probably, that was probably the best punt I've ever seen at any level yeah, of football. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly like, what punch you're talking the way about. That, the way that bounced, like right at no, the one-yard line, bounced high up in the air and then rolled out of bounds. It was perfect. It is amazing to say that I just watched that game and special teams I don't think is going to be a concern for us this season. Yeah, it feels, good to, really feels good to impressed. say that. It feels good, even though you lost to ETSU. <laughs> I feel really confident that our special teams are going to at least be middle of the pack this year, which has not been the case since, I think, Kerry Spear. Um, yeah. We've been middle of the pack. Maybe Open for that one season he had. Maybe. Was really, really good. That might be a stretch. Season. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but that, yeah, Bolivis, that, that kick, man. That, that was awesome to see one go through the uprights from outside of 50. We haven't seen that for in a long time. No. And, I, kicker. and it's good to not have issues with special teams when you have issues other otherwise. Everywhere else. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally everywhere else. All right. Well, we, uh, we'll talk more about this with Chris Lee uh, coming up, but uh, there are a couple commits to touch on. We'll start with the basketball one. Malik Dia, three-star from Innsworth, six foot seven, 190 pounds, great length. And uh, again, this this happened after Vanderbilt lost to an FCS team. This is on the basketball level. Um, but Stackhouse 2022 class is number 11, very close to a top 10 class. So looking at that, that's that's all right. He's he's going somewhere with this class. Now, again, he's got to continue to win, but uh, pretty solid get locally. Man, it's pretty crazy to think with how much it kind of feels like Vanderbilt fans and us in general are kind of simultaneously losing faith in Jerry Stackhouse. He's like building the second best class in the history of Vanderbilt basketball. Like very just quietly. Like, yeah, just like very quietly. It's not going to yeah. get much attention as opposed to when Bryce Drew did it. But yeah. he's like right there. I mean, yeah. is, you don't have the five-star necessarily star power of the Darius Garland and Simi Shitu, 
but this class is damn talented. Oh yeah. And I'm really, really excited to see what is going to happen this upcoming year with Pippen coming back, even though there have been some rumors of possibly some injuries surrounding that program, mm-hmm. um, unconfirmed, but uh, this class, I think it will allow Stackhouse to, no matter what happens this season, he will have his it, job next year. It will buy him some time. It has locked him up a, nut, yeah. a little a bit of leniency few more for years. Vanderbilt administration. Yeah. And I do want to say on the note of leniency, there are actual Vanderbilt Twitter accounts that were calling and asking for Clark Lee to be fired. Well, uh, and Vandy, you saw Van- me. You saw me. I was as negative as anyone on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, well, you were but not as bad. My God, if, you if were you not. Actually, a- think he needs to be fired after that game. I don't block You're, people on Twitter, but I'm gonna block you because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If you think a first-time head coach with his first-time staff needs to even have a consideration in his mind after an 0-9 season from the previous staff and seven guys transferring out, if you really think that they need to even have that thought in their mind that he might need to be fired, then you're one of the dumbest people on this planet. (laughs) So those Twitter accounts, you can at me if you want to. You are so stupid. And that got me a little fired up, and that's when I realized, okay, I don't want to be associated with that type of negativity. So I'm going to kind of pull back my negativity <laughs> that I had tweeted out because I didn't want to be associated with that side because I still have faith in this staff in general. Yes. Not this season, but in the future that they are going to come out next week and not get their butt kicked by Colorado yeah. State. Well, and and we tweeted out at, late at night from TDR. We basically said it straight. We said, yes, this is a terrible loss. Brutal start to the season. You know, probably the worst loss in the history of Vanderbilt football. That's up for debate. But – Clark Lee is the only one for the job because he knows what it takes. And we got about maybe 40 comments under that. We didn't respond to any of them, but I think we're in agree. I think a lot of Vandy people are in agreement with that. Um, yep. So and Vandy Twitter will was on one Saturday night. They, I mean, Which, that's as I, bad. I actually liked to see that in a way yeah. because of how dead the stadium was, man. It was so dead. I was the only person yelling in the fourth quarter. Down twenty points. And Murray Harris probably too. I was the I was it. I was in my section. People were like turning around telling me to sit down. Because I was like standing up yelling. That's Vanderbilt fans, but um, I was I was in shock, man. And so it was nice to see a little bit of passion on Twitter, but still they were on one and the overreactions Justin Hershey. I wanted to specifically give him a shout out with the Vanderbilt Hustler. Credit. He wrote an incredible article. Um, he just tweeted it out, I think, an hour before we recorded yeah. this or so. And he had a he had in the end of the article, he said, while this may be the worst loss in Vanderbilt history, arguably, it has zero long-term impact. Yeah. And when, when I read that, that's a very, very good point. Because as long as they can maintain this recruiting class, the best case scenario for this year, if everything broke right, was four or five wins. Yeah. And the expectations were a two or three win season max. And so yeah. losing this one gimme game that you thought was a built-in win is that necessarily as bad as we're making it out to be because what happened with that temple game man is you lost the respect that james franklin had earned and you had the expectations going into that year that you were going to be a six seven eight nine win team you finally had the respect of college football fans and you came out and got whipped (laughs) by temple you this year the expectations are in, they're in the basement. I mean they were so low. Nobody expected Clark Lee to come out and have success. You didn't expect this, but everybody I think needs to just chill out, including me, because I need to chill out. 
big time. R E L A X. Yes. And, and we tweeted that. We got a ton of hate for that. Maybe a little too early for that tweet. But, Will, the bottom line here is Coach Lee needs to be thanking Derek Mason and, and twice on Sundays for the schedule he laid out for him because you still get Colorado State, who just got, got their butt kicked, got boat raced. You still, yes, you still have UConn. Who didn't play football last year? Their coach ran. Their coach. Their coach. Hold on. Their coach Randy Etzel has already announced his retirement. I mean, that that's. Did you see the video, Billy? On we'll have to. Maybe I'll tweet it out for my personal account where they said UConn's ready to give up on the season, and the coach was in the middle yes, of the playoffs, I, I and saw he it. went, "Oh yeah," and held his and held his. <laughs> And no, no one else responded. They all just walked away from him. <laughs> they were like, Event, UConn is the worst team on the schedule. Yeah. Um, ETSU is the second worst. Colorado State did lose to the previous season's national champion, I believe. So yeah. that's a really good program they lost to. It's not ETSU. Yeah. But UConn is – they got their butt kicked by yeah. a mediocre to below average FCS program. Yeah. They are the worst team on this schedule. We, we talk, they lose to UConn, man. They might need to leave the SEC. <laughs> we, we talk about teams being on the verge of extinction. I think <laughs> UConn is headed that way. They didn't have a season last year. They basically said, we can't field anyone. Um, so, Will, it, it's going to be interesting. One more football commit to talk about, though. I'm stunned that there was a commit after maybe the worst loss in program history. Quantavis Gumbo Gaskins, already on um, the name, uh, all name team. He's from hateful charter school in Atlanta. He chose Vandy over South Carolina and Mizzou and Kansas state. He had some good offers, um, but also will Zach Pyron. Keep this quarterback on your radar. He decommitted from Baylor. He's been on the coaching staff's radar for a while. Now, Robbie Weinstein has put in a crystal ball for Vanderbilt. And he's teammates with B.J. Diakite down in Alabama at Pinson Valley High School. So, again, we could have our quarterback for the future, all not already. Of course, he hasn't committed, but he already decommitted, and he just tweeted out his offer from Vanderbilt. So, you know, he, the faith is still really there shocked. in the recruiting. I, I think that's the big thing to watch. And the Gumbo Gaskins commit, which is a yeah. phenomenal name. I am so excited. Uh, hell of a name. So I, so I can say Gumbo Gaskins. Yeah. But – the biggest thing with this, this entire season, is they just have to do enough on that field to maintain the energy they have around the incoming recruits. Yeah. Because no offense to the guys that are currently on that roster, but they are not the guys that are going to bring Vanderbilt out of this dump. That they're not Clark's guys. No, they're not the guys that fit the system. I, I love some of the guys that are on this roster and think they have, to, uh, especially some of the younger guys that have a very high ceiling yeah. as far as growing into what Clark Lee wants to do. But they're not guys that Clark Lee specifically recruited yeah. for his system. They were recruited for a completely different defensive scheme, especially in that 3-4. So I just think as long as they can maintain this class throughout this year, which is going to be a struggle, and especially if this Zach Pyron kid – yeah commits after which it looks like all the, everything's pointing in that every all signs point smart. yeah but you're looking at what was the former number 18 quarterback in the entire class so yeah. he's a, he was a former four-star just bumped down i think he's like the 480th player yeah. nationally um he's a very talented guy and i think if he's one of those kind of guys that is a program kind of changing yeah. yep. commit yep. coming in and especially, you'd have a hell of a quarterback competition with the other with the other commit. They he would, Dickey, I believe, is his name. Yeah, um, you would have you would have a heck of a competition yeah. between those two. 
and and Ken Steele's likely staying next year, you would have it would be a hell of a push for him to improve as well. Well, for as bad as it was, I love this tweet that we're about to read. We're about to get to Chris Lee, but I want to give full credit to Star Walker Door uh, on Twitter. He said in this tweet, "New week, puke and rally. I'm getting back in the saddle, battered and bruised. My hope, number one, to see emotion, passion, energy, anger, take it out on Colorado State. Number two, defense, fly around, blitz, confuse." more creativity on offense, leave it all out there. Give me something to believe in. I mean, Star Walker door, you couldn't have put it better. That's a great, because I think there was another tweet. I wish I had it pulled up so I could give the person credit like you just did. But they, but it basically said that people tend to forget that why that beginning to Derek Mason's tenure was so bad was the Temple game number one, which was very disappointing that everyone remembers. And that game was worse. I will. St- I was at both. That game was worse. You're standing Number behind two, that. I will. That's a hill I will die on. And that <laughs> Temple game was. I would relive this ETSU game ten times over before I'd relive wow. that Temple game one more time. Credit to that you, t- man. Because Pat and Robinette, you, everyone forgets they dropped. Pat and Robinette scored. got hurt too. They scored on that first drive. Vanderbilt did. They scored, and then Pat and Robinette went out with a concussion, and the rest of the game was the fastest downward spiral you've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, we're we're talking too much about Temple. Now. Yeah, we are. We're getting too far. But will I love I love that tweet though because he said puke and rally. Right. I mean, that's oh, yeah, so right. accurate. Where that's I was getting most... at this is people forget that the next week at Nissan Stadium was it Nissan Stadium at that point? Yes, or was it, it was LP Field. I think it was Nissan Stadium. No, it, I don't know if the name was LP Field. Oh, it might have been LP. Yeah. It might have been See, LP. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I think yeah. it might have been LP Field. But SEC Titans, Nation was there. Yep, and they came out and they got beat 48 to three by Ole Miss and came out with even less energy than they had the previous week and Stephen had a Rivers. worse performance. Oh, my Lord. But, yes, yeah, Stephen Rivers, I forgot about him, the j- biggest quarterback in the history Gotta of college trouble. He looked like a tree out there. But <laughs> it, they need to come out. That it's a new week. You're playing against another team that struggled in week one. They're only a two-point favorite. This is just forget about it. You weren't yep. competing for an SEC or national championship, guys. It's okay. Just move past it. If you come out and beat Colorado State next week, people are going to be talking about how maybe ETSU is really good. Yeah. And and I think the conversation is you should not have lost to that team, but that's a hell of a turnaround if they come out. Even if they don't win, just the energy on the sideline, man. Yeah. They, they've got to come out and sh- put – together a better showing as far as energy and execution is concerned and if they do that then you go into a stanford team that doesn't really have a lot of talent this year either uh, yeah, yeah. you're saying maybe we can turn this train wreck around and maybe uh, it's not a train yep. wreck yet so just it's one week it's one game everybody take a deep breath Hold you your- just said it R-E-L-A-X. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers, uh, for that. And, and Will, it's a new week, brand new week. Uh, this is going to be a huge week of practice for Coach Lee and and huge moment for him going on the road for the first time in, in this team. All right, we got Chris Lee coming right up from VandySports.com, founder of, of that site. He's been doing great things over there. Uh, but, yeah, Chris Lee coming your way here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get into the interview with Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. 
Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report. I'm now joined by Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com, as we uh, d- dive into Vanderbilt's 23-3 to loss to ETSU. And Chris, I, I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of speechless right now and, and trying to two days after with, with some time to think about it and, and really kind of kind of start starting to evolve more of an opinion on this game. But I want to ask you, ignore everything that happened before this game leading up to ETSU. What did you personally expect to see for, from this team? I expected to see an offense that would probably struggle, although you wondered against a lesser opponent. There would probably be some breakthrough moments there. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, I expected to see a team that was disciplined, that had a plan, that got after it on defense in particular and rushed the passer and did some things to create confusion and chaos and maybe some turnovers. And frankly, other than the fact that the offense might struggle because the offensive line is not very good, I didn't see anything that I expected other than where I thought they might struggle. And that was really not a good sign when you're playing ETSU in your opener. Right. And, and Chris, I think for a lot of people the the point where, where they became worried that Vanderbilt could actually lose was early third quarter where ETSU continued to basically plow over the D line and, and run at will. Um, and, you know, you hope to see maybe some adjustments on that end at halftime. And, and that was kind of the thinking, but there was still that, all right, we're kind of walking on thin ice here. First half didn't look good at all. What are we going to see from the second half? So are you in agreement there? When did you become uh, start to think at least, all right, this, this might be a loss here? Yeah, I'm with you. I went into halftime feeling uneasy about what I saw, but it's a half, and sometimes those things even happen for great teams. Mm-hmm. And I thought – I really didn't think at that point I, that they were losing the game. I thought they'll come out, they'll have a plan, they'll they'll go up tempo, they'll do something a little different. No, it was the exact same thing we saw, except throwing some turnovers and it got worse. So I'm with you. I think maybe about about the end of the third quarter, I started realizing I don't think this is happening tonight, and I don't see them winning this game. And that's mm-hmm. look, it's bad enough to lose the game. But it's really bad when by the end of the third quarter you're going, they're going to get beat by an FBS team or an FCS, FCS team, and it yeah. may not be close. Right. And, and, you know, that was a fact of the matter. I mean, you just it was definitely tough to swallow for a lot of fans. But a lot is made, Chris, about coaches' demeanors, you know, on the sidelines. I think at times it can be overrated. You know, a lot we made a lot of Coach Mason's uh, first game against Temple just kind of looked like a deer in the headlights. And, and for Coach Lee – uh, you've heard a lot about kind of the, the emotionless meaner and, and lack of, uh, I guess, lack of maybe anger and just kind of aggressiveness. So what what did you think about his demeanor on the sidelines? Because the TV crew definitely uh, cut to him quite a bit, especially towards the end. You know, it's funny. I was texting with someone after the game who is has got some connections with that program. And, and the response was, and I, I will paraphrase it here, you know, when you're trying to build a program, I don't know that the arms folded demeanor is, is what you need. Yeah. Uh, and look, frankly, maybe some of the temperament that Clark Lee has comes in handy because God knows you're going to need patience in this job for a gazillion reasons we can name and probably a lot more that we couldn't. But here's the point. I, I think that in the moment, you needed something. You need the spark. You needed – I'm not a big yell at your people just to do it thing, but – 
James Franklin seemed to know, and I know that's the name we bring up all the time. It's yeah. not necessarily fair, but it's the only point of reference we have in most people's lifetimes for anybody that's done some things. Someone brought up on our message board in the war room that remember the Connecticut game where they were down and yeah. we ran up and down the sidelines and said mm-hmm. something along the lines of, we're not going to lose this. We're not going to lose this. Yeah. And really got his kids into it. No, it helped having Casey Hayward, right? Yeah. Having a future NFL all pro who could make a play. Those don't grow on trees, right? Mm-hmm. But my point is, I don't know that in that situation, that's what they needed. And they kept getting the same results. And you cannot fake who you are, right? But I right. have seen that out of him at times in camps where he got into people. And I think one thing, again, that I did not expect was to see the sideline where a coach looked a whole lot like Derek Mason did. And I don't think they're the same guys. Mm-hmm. I think Clark, you know, maybe we'll have some ideas of some buttons to push where Derek just didn't seem to have any idea all season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe next week they get clobbered by Colorado State and we're having the same conversation again. But uh, I thought that the situation called for something besides this, yeah. and uh, it just never happened. And this is Chris crossing his arms uh, for, for the people uh, listening. Chris, another conversation point was the quarterback rotation. And coming into uh, this season, we I think the consensus was Ken Seals is the guy. He's the number one quarterback, and, and he's the starting quarterback. But throughout the week, Ken, uh, Coach, Coach Lee was pointing at Mike Wright getting more reps, I think, than we anticipated and maybe people had liked. Um, so what were your thoughts on, on the way they rotated the quarterbacks? And do, do you think either one was able to find any sort of rhythm? I didn't really understand that. I think for a team trying to gain confidence, um, you know, what the, they came out up tempo. They mm-hmm. had a little momentum. It stalled. They didn't really go back to that for very long. They pull seals by the end of the first quarter. They talked about doing that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I hate to, to harken back to Derek Mason, but there were so many parallels from that Temple game in this one. And the quarterback roulette was one of those things. And, They'd already introduced it before the game. I didn't get that. Now, look, if, if the game plan had been, uh, let's go out, let's find something that's going to throw a little bit of doubt into Colorado State. Because let's face it, if you're facing Ken Seals and you're facing Mike Wright, those are two completely different quarterbacks. Yeah. Two skill sets, two things you have to prepare for. So maybe you get an advantage uh, by, by doing that. Uh, but that's a slippery slope to walk. It, 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 I don't know if that's what they were doing, but it bit them. Mm-hmm. But I think what you have now done, neither quarterback looked very good. Uh, Ken Seals did not look confident. To me, you have now sort of created a situation that was needless. Um, I, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish there, uh, but the game wasn't good. That didn't look good. And I think at some point, and look, they've got to block people, right? Because I think that was a lot of it. I don't know that either of those kids had much of a chance given how bad their line was. But now you have also introduced one more thing into that. And I don't know that that's a thing that they should have been doing uh, because you already started the ball rolling on that before the game even started by saying you're going to play two guys. And I just, again, sometimes there are things that don't work out and sometimes there are bad decisions People may be split on where that goes, but to me, that looked more like a bad decision. Yeah, I want to go a little bit deeper there on Ken Seals. And, and you know, coming into this season, he showed some flashes last season. I mean, he played 
10 times better in that AM game on the road against an SEC team than we saw uh, against ETSU. Now, I think you can put some of that on the O-line, uh, but there were some throws towards the sidelines and even on some of those screen th- screen throws where they were either way high or just you know not accurate at all. So, Chris, with the way he played, how surprised were you and how much of that can you put on his lack of protection, because yes, there were times where, you know, he, he didn't have any time at all, but in terms of the plays where he did, how surprised were you by that? Their offense reminded me a little bit of Carl, Carl Durrell, where the routes were, they were hard throws a lot of times for not as much payoff as you, as you would want. Yeah. Um, I, I was a little surprised. They didn't use the field middle of the field more for deep balls. I mean, you throw some shorter crossing routes Get your tight end involved. I guess that's one concern. Ben Bresnahan may be hurt coming out of this. I just didn't see when you are not having a lot of time. And I guess that sort of contradicts something I said about the deep ball there. But when you're having a hard time getting your quarterback time and he's backpedaling and running for his life, as soon as the ball hits his hands, I don't know. To to me, you've got to find something in your offense, some motion, a a shovel pass, um, something that, 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 counters that and they did they just never had an answer all night and again that's one of the things that surprised me is I thought surely they'll come out with some sort of different plan of attack offensively in the second half and it just never seemed to happen Chris I mean you know you touched on the O-line but also the D-line really struggled as well the the play in the trenches was I think one of the more surprising things now as a Vanderbilt uh, you know fan you're not looking at the trenches and saying hey we're excited uh, to, to, to see them and how much they, they've progressed. But that was something that some fans were looking forward to seeing So and how much they had maybe improved. So how, how shocked were you at, at the way the trench play was? Because, I mean, D-line, there, there was zero push. And then for the O-line, the quarterbacks didn't have much time at all. The one thing in the back of my head, okay, who had one of the best camps that you heard talked about a lot? It's Davion Davis. Yeah. Well, Davion Davis is lined up over the center. Their center is a walk-on who'd never played a snap before right. the opener. And and you're thinking, okay, two things can be true. Davis could have gotten better, and they also have trouble at center. And I, I think you come out of that game going, the line didn't get a lot of push. There were no sacks that really surprised me. And that's not just the defensive line, but that's linebackers too. I look at this and I I just say, I think you have to go back and chalk up a lot of what the defensive line did to how bad the offensive line is. And and that's clear, I think, for everybody now. Again, both can be true. Mm -hmm. uh, But at this point, to me, it looks like their, their defensive line is average at best. And here's another thing, Billy. You look at them and compare them to other SEC teams. Okay, Elijah McAllister is a guy that got some run in, in camp. He's 6'6", mm-hmm. 260, 265, long arms. They hoped that he would be a disruptive presence. Well, that guy at Florida is, is 6'6", 295. Yeah. Davion Davis, um, it's somewhere else. You know, you've got a guy that's 6'3", 315, 320. Mm-hmm. You just look at them in terms of size and athleticism, even the assets they have to build on. They're just a little short in terms of physicality. Um, you know, now I think down the line, you've got some freshmen. I thought we might have seen Marcus Bradley. I don't think that he played. Yeah. Maybe you have some better options, but they're freshmen. Um, I'm Clark Lee. I start getting those kids ready to play right away because clearly they just don't have the horses to compete like they need. 
Right. I'm going to give you now, Chris, a glass half full proposition, and I want to see where uh, where you think I'm going with it. Now, there were a lot of penalties that really, really killed offensive drives. Have you seen any big play offensively penalty? Let's head back. Third down conversions, you saw a penalty. Even the Chris Pierce touchdown was was uh, was called back because of a, an illegal center downfield, Michael Warden. So with those penalties, how much of this game do you think were simple mental mistakes and take away, you know, the, the talent uh, advantage that we thought Vandy might have? How much of this game presented to you, could have presented to you of, of the mental mistakes that, that this team had? And some of those could be shored up and this team could look a little bit better against Colorado State. What, 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 are, what are your thoughts? Well, to be clear, the penalty was on Tyler Steen uh, that got the touchdown call back. That was on I, I think it okay. was. I, I think I think it was from memory. That's okay. who they singled out on the broadcast. Uh, but look, there there are a couple of different types of penalties. There's one where you're just not locked in and focused. Right. There's another where you're overwhelmed and you're having to compensate and hold. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I did not expect the penalties we saw. The one thing that I would have just about banked anything on was they would play a pretty clean game and a disciplined game. Now, a holding penalty or two wouldn't have surprised me. Uh, some of those did, but again, I, I wonder how much of that is a unit that's just overwhelmed, is having to reach. And look, and, and if that's true, that's a bad sign mm-hmm. when you're doing that against an unranked FCS team. But, I, I mean, I, I expected they would be cleaner with, with the penalties and the mistakes, uh, what they were minus two in turnovers, I guess. So there's another thing, too. Yeah, they can play a cleaner game, um, but but I go back to ability and how much is this caused by lack of talent? How much of this is caused by attention to detail? And when some of it probably was lack of talent, no, again, the touchdown, that was lack of attention to detail on somebody's part, either mm-hmm. uh, either quarterback not doing what was called or improvising and alignment going on what's called. I don't know what the deal was there. I don't know if we got an answer, uh, but yeah, I mean, that that – they can they play cleaner? Yes. Do, do I worry about them getting holding penalties because they're having to tackle an edge rusher and that's the only way they can block them? Uh, I, I to me that might continue. Yeah, and, and you know going forward again, we always after a after a, a loss like this, we, we love to you know all right, this is this is on the coaches, this is on the players, you know this is on whatever. Um, I want to go into the coaches now. Some of the play calls, especially offensively, with a, a brand new offensive coordinator, David Rye, who is a, a receivers coach in the NFL. You also have Joey Lynch, the quarterbacks coach, coming over from Colorado State, who you know we, we had thought they would collaborate and and uh, put out a little bit better product. And then defensively, of course, we had heard good things about Jesse Minner, uh, and 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 I I expected to see a little bit more pressure, maybe from different players, especially at the anchor position. Um, so, Chris. The play calling. How how shocked were you at 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 how that looked, and and I guess how does that compare to what you expected from these young play callers uh, coming into this season? Oh, Billy, I expected him to throw a lot more at people. I, I said that I thought one thing that people would come away with is they would like the way that Jesse Minner played his defense, based on what I saw in camp: the twists, the stunts, the sending guys up the gaps, the keeping guys guessing. Look. You can't control talent, what you inherit in year one, but what you can control what you can do with it. I thought with some of the guys they had, and look, their SEC caliber athletes are few and far between, but they do have some. They've got Anthony Orgy. They've got Dericky Wright, who I guess was was banged up and didn't play a lot. Uh, They've got Alex Williams, the Ohio State transfer, who graded out really well on pro football focus, although not a lot of snaps. They have a few pieces here and there. 
I expected that they would turn those loose and make some stuff happen. Never really seemed to happen, or at least ETSU picked it up. So that was a surprise. Uh, offensively, um, you know, gosh, when you don't have anything, use some motion. If yeah. you're going to play Mike Wright, use some triple option. I, I just thought that the play calling uh, just did not really do them a lot of favors. Maybe that's easy to say. It was almost like, and, and this is this is completely unfair. I have no proof, and and it may be totally untrue. And I, I would I would be surprised if this was true. But it almost looked like we're saving some things for some Colorado State to hold back that they don't see. Uh, we're not going to show everything that we've got this week because we're going to need it for a more competitive game next week. I I, I don't think that was probably the strategy, but it, it kind of felt that way. Yeah. And uh, boy, that you know. Not using the cards in your hand, I felt really bit them. Yeah, and Chris, we talk about mental fibers all the time. We hear it from Tim Corbin every 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 uh, baseball season, and and with Coach Lee, there were some comparisons drawn, and and that you can draw from those two. They they've had a great relationship, and and you saw that with James Franklin having a good relationship uh, with Tim Corbin. But on the mental side of things, heading into this season, uh, I expected this team to. Um, you know, to be very adept mentally at what was going on. And it, it quite frankly, didn't seem that way to me. So, Chris, with this team mentally right now, this is game one. You start out the season losing to an FCS team by 20. Where do you think they are mentally? I mean, you've been at practice. You've been able to talk to Coach Lee. You're, you've been around this program for, you know, longer than almost anyone who's covered the team. So with this team mentally, What's the challenge right now, and 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 how tough do you think it might be for Clark Lee to kind of grab the minds of these guys and keep them focused? Oh, I, I think it's going to be super tough. You had a team that that had an 0-9 season that didn't play its last game because they'd lost so much morale and so many players, and they didn't even show for Georgia. Uh, now, they, they canceled the game before it was started. Yeah. Um, they were in a fragile place. You you. Never hear him duck that. I thought that he had done seemingly a good job of controlling the part of that he could control. It seemed like they'd gotten some confidence back, some buy-in. Uh, what what happened between the last practice I saw in the opener? I, I don't know. Maybe he was mm -hmm. as shocked as anybody else. But, um, yeah, I, I think that – look, it's one thing – the last season was bad, right? But you had a season to try to wipe that out. You had some new players in who've never lost. You had some players who probably needed to go for the sake of the culture who were gone. And so it's not the same team, and you try to start over, but you never know until it hits the field. And I, I don't know where the fail came, but to me, if you've been able to resource some of that confidence, my, my goodness, I, I don't know how you didn't lose it after this one. I, I watched Ken Seals. He did not look confident like he did a year ago. Again, um, I think coaching had to play a hand in that. that. That's the coach's job is to get your players ready to play. So that's my concern too, Billy, is how they go forward and, and get back whatever confidence they had to have lost. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, and Chris, the thing about Clark Lee, I think we all know, is that he he tells it like it is, and he's he can be blatantly true at sometimes, and that's something I think that was reassuring, uh, you know, before this season had even started coming from him, especially what we had heard uh, from Coach Mason. So, I want to ask you, from what you heard post game, I, I thought something that was intriguing was how he talked about we have to learn how to take the fight to the opponent, 
And, you know, that's something as a younger team, this is team one, first, first team ever that he's coached. What did you think of that? And what did you think of some of the other things he had to say in the, in the, in the post game? Well, that's mental preparation, right? That's the coach's job to get your team ready to play, not just in terms of X's and O's, but also in terms of intensity. Um, So to me, if you're going to point a finger there, I think it has to go with the coaches too. Look, I will go forward looking on this a little bit. I'm interested to see how Tuesday's press conference goes. You know, they made a big deal in the offseason. You've got to earn your number. Uh, And if you don't earn your number, we'll pick one for you. That was putting responsibility on players. What does that responsibility sound like on Tuesday? Um, You know, if if the players have to earn their numbers, what do the coaches have to earn? Um, And so I'm really curious when he comes out Tuesday in his press conference to hear what he says in terms of where he thinks they failed in terms of coaches. Because to me, look, we we can talk about the talent all we want. and, And clearly it's not good. Um, clearly they're going to have a tough time beating anybody left on the schedule. When you get flattened by an FCS team, to me, the talent's not that bad. So to me, a, a lot of it's got to point back to the staff. And I want to know what they're going to do differently and what they've recognized between that one and the next. Well, Chris, speaking of the staff, uh, and we talk about, we love to talk about recruiting, but not a whole lot during the season. You're not talking about recruiting a whole lot during the season, but there was a commit last night. Uh, I think surprised a little, uh, a few people. Three star Quantavis Gaskins um, out of the Georgia area. Does that say anything about the way this staff is committed to that class, or is that simply, hey, they got to commit? He's a three star guy, and you know it, it is what it is. Well, the NFL draft has its evening out process. If you're really bad, you get the first pick, right? And in college, it doesn't work that way. But the way it does work is. <laughs> hey, I'm looking at a bad team, and if I'm looking at that, I got a chance to play pretty quickly. Um, They need an upgrade at athleticism, literally at just about every position on the field. So, look, I will say something about this staff. I I didn't like the way they coached week one, but I don't think they're lazy. I don't think they're overall incompetent. Um, I think they're going to work hard. They've they've got a guy in Barton Simmons who is very well-respected in that world. So, to me – you can always cater the message. If you're winning, it's like, hey, why wouldn't you want to come be a part of this? If you're losing, the message could be, hey, you can see we could use some help. And if you like early playing time, maybe we're the place for you. So that's the one good thing about losing is it does give you an opportunity for sell. Is it the one that you want? Probably not. But uh, I, I think that's probably got something to do with it. There's always a spin zone, isn't there? Chris, there's always a spin zone. (laughs) Chris, I want to, I want to close it out here with, um, again, we've talked about all the negatives. Um, I want to, it's very hard to take nearly, you know, almost impossible to find some of the positives, but, for me, I thought the tempo, at least at the beginning, was was uh, reassuring, um, and the way they ran the ball at times. That you know, I heard you and Bruno speaking uh, after the game. The outside zone was working, and and it seemed that they had kind of steered away from that. So, Chris, offensively, defensively, I know you think special teams was a positive. Also, um, what were the positives you could take away? Uh, well. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't play a lot worse, right? Uh, maybe that's – I don't know if that's the positive you're looking for. Uh, special teams would be a play I can start. I mean, I will say this. 
you look to history and, and you have some guys who have performed before, like Ken Seals has performed before. Cam Johnson has performed before. Ray Davis has performed before. Now, my concern with Davis would be, I think I saw him limping. Uh, I think health was always a concern there. So that, that's that's kind of another on the list of things that you're a little concerned about coming out of the game. I, I think in camp, we did see the defense do some things. We saw them get hands on balls and get some sacks. I, I do think if you're Vanderbilt, you have to go back through the positives where you found them, whether that's practice, whether that was last year. Build on those because it's not a team that, Look, it was a team that I always thought was short on talent. I didn't want to say this on my board, but there were people talking about, oh, I think this is a six-win season. And I'm just looking at that going, you guys are nuts. Um, you know, not, I'm, not, I'm not in this to, to quash fans' enthusiasm before the season starts. Uh, you, you don't want to do that. But I'm thinking those were some very misplaced expectations. Because let's not forget, the last we saw these guys on the field, they didn't match up to the rest of the league, and it wasn't particularly close most nights so but that said there's always some things you can take I always thought that one of the positives of last season was you had a quarterback who played really well under adversity and he would make mistakes but he would come back fighting and so I would just try to find any little thing that they've got to build on and there are a few we may not have seen them in the game but I would go back to history and see what you can tap into there if I'm that coaching staff yeah, and I agree with you, though. What have you done for me lately type of mindset? And obviously, lately, Vanderbilt has lost to a 20, an FCS team by 20. So, uh, again, we, we will get a little bit closer. I, I agree with you on the, the press conference. We'll see what we get from there. But, Chris, it's always a pleasure. Uh, keep working hard. VandySports.com, great coverage as always. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, Billy, thank you for having me. Well, that does it for episode 104 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Big thanks to Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com. Always great to just get to the X's and O's, dive into everything that happened in Vanderbilt's loss to ETSU 23-3 this past Saturday night. It was awesome to get the mental aspect of what this team is going through as they move on to their Week 2 matchup with Colorado State. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram, and Chris Lee, you've been listening to episode 104 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.